Welcome to Energy Efficiency Markets Podcast, where we provide news and analysis about energy efficiency, markets, and trends. This is Lisa Cohn with EnergyEfficiencyMarkets.com. Today's guest is Ted Geyer, Brookings Institution Vice President of Economic Studies. Our topic is why are government energy efficiency mandates not effective? Be sure to pick up our free newsletter at EnergyEfficiencyMarkets.com to get an early jump in prospects and trends from some of the most experienced reporters in the business. That's EnergyEfficiencyMarkets.com. Hi, Ted. Hi, how are you? Good. Thanks for joining me. So tell me um, about this. You're, you're finding that um, the costs of these mandates outweigh the benefits? Yeah, uh, what, I, what I'm looking at is uh, how effective are they, particularly at reducing pollution, and that's how they're frequently advertised, both by the regulators and the policymakers, that they reduce pollution. But when you actually look at what the actual uh, uh, regulatory agencies at their own analyses, uh, they find that the pollution benefits are quite small and are uh, uh, almost always smaller than the costs. So from an environment point of view, and I emphasize from an environmental point of view, uh, they, they, don't, they don't really pay for themselves. Huh. Um, that's really interesting. Um, so in terms of, I'm just curious, in terms of savings, did you, uh, in terms of energy savings, did you look at that? So that's where, so and that's kind of the, the the argument that I'm making. So if you look at how they're advertised, they're advertised as, hey, these things, these things reduce greenhouse gases and pollution. If you look at the analysis, they don't really do much in reducing pollution. Uh, and so the way that they justify them is they say, well, the the real benefits here is that they are saving people money by getting them energy savings. And and I find the the evidence that they provide for those savings to be uh, uh, highly insufficient uh, and not very credible. So their their claims essentially, the basis of their claims are uh, when I or you or somebody else uh, decides to buy an appliance, for example, we face a choice of getting a more expensive energy efficiency, energy efficient one uh, and get savings thereafter from savings of energy or a less expensive one that might cost us more year after year. And they're basically asserting with with uh, little or no evidence that we're making the wrong choice, and therefore, by restricting our choice, they're helping us. So that's that's my contention. That that, that I think is a, a view that needs to at least be challenged and justified. Uh, and that's kind of what I said before. I think the whole idea uh, of government using regulations, taxes, uh, you name it, in order to address pollution, the harm that that we cause others when we when we act in the economy, I think is entirely appropriate. But what they're really doing is they're they're claiming to do consumer protection. They are protecting us against the harm we cause ourselves. And I I think they they should be more careful uh, in making those claims and justifying them. Are you also saying, in general, that um, energy efficiency does not reduce greenhouse gases? No, uh, what, what I'm saying is, is the one size fits all of a mandate where you essentially take a swath of products and say these cannot be uh, on the market, I think is a very clunky, poor way to help the environment. Uh, there's lots of problems with it, uh, especially when you put it up against what I think is a much more effective way of helping the environment, which is basically making pollution more expensive. 
Uh, if you make a, it more expensive for me to pollute, whether or not it's using energy or, or others, uh, then I will make decisions. I will make decisions that, well, this is worth it and this isn't worth it. I'll conserve over here, maybe not over there. I'll switch to a cleaner uh, fuel source or a different technology and kind of there's a, a direct market response and everybody can kind of act accordingly uh, based on their needs and preferences. When instead you do this one-size-fits-all that says, here's a swath of products that we're going to eliminate, I think that doesn't give you as much environmental protection for the buck. So you don't get as much bang for the buck. So just to be clear, I don't think there's anything wrong with energy efficient products. And I certainly, in many of my own personal consumption decisions, opt for an energy efficient product over a less energy efficient product. I kind of weigh the pros and cons of the different products. My view is that there's variation across people on when that works and when that doesn't, and kind of putting a blanket mandate down isn't really an effective way to help the environment. Mm -hmm. Now, so you're not referring necessarily to these requirements that utilities uh, acquire a certain amount of energy efficiency. Yeah. So I'm not actually uh, uh, look. I'm looking more from the appliance angle, the analysis that I talked about when I look at the benefits and costs for more on appliances and actually uh, automobiles also. If you look at the fuel economy standards, the environmental benefits there are really small compared to what the costs are, and, and almost all the benefits are based on this notion that people are making bad decisions and the government is correcting it. Uh, but from from the from the electric uh, electricity mandates, we didn't look at those per se. I would say from a broader perspective, if the problem that we're trying to tackle is people are using too much energy and that energy is leading to pollution, uh, greenhouse gases that are damaging, the way to address that is to internalize those costs, raise the cost. And I think what happens is people are a little bit being fooled by this. In some sense, people think, and I think uh, policymakers in particular hold this line, which is, well, we don't want to tax energy because that's costly for people, but instead we're going to kind of ban certain energy using products that are less energy efficient. And I think it's it's incorrect not to view that as a tax. If you're restricting people's choice and kind of giving them only options to buy more expensive products, that is equivalent of a tax. My view is it's less effective than just raising the price and letting people uh, respond accordingly depending on their preferences and needs. Mm -hmm. And I guess the one way to do it would be to include the environmental Price of, price of using energy um, in the price of energy. Price, yes. And I, yeah, and I, fundamentally, that's the problem here. Is when I decide to use any good or energy in particular, I'm um, considering the cost to me and the benefits to me. I'm not quite internalizing all the costs that it might impose on you and the rest of the world based on the environmental consequences. So what we're trying, what we should be doing, is trying to get me to appreciate those costs by charging me for them. It's and there's parallels all over the place. There's water shortages right now in California because people aren't really charged for the scarcity of the water, so they don't have the incentives to reduce water, to use dual flush toilets. They don't pay for themselves right now because they're not being charged for that water, and instead you kind of resorting to kind of clunkier methods of, of trying to force conservation efforts. And again, in the parallel with energy efficiency, these are just not as effective, even if as, even if you look at what the agencies say, they kind of demonstrate they're just not the most effective way to do this. Hmm, very interesting. Is there a report that you can refer um, our listeners to? Uh, well, if you go to my website on the Brookings Institution website, you'll see I've written a number of things on this. Most recently, last week, I gave testimony 
uh, to the Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources. So that's like a three-page summary of what I've just said. That's on there, and I've written some papers with Kip Viscusi. You can Google it. Uh, uh, one is called Overriding Consumer Preferences, where we kind of lay out the whole argument and, and the numbers. And you also sent me those um, links. Um, I, I think I did. Yeah, I'll yeah. include them. Okay, well, yeah. thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Be sure to pick up our free newsletter at energyefficiencymarkets.com to get an early jump in prospects and trends from some of the most experienced reporters in the business. That's energyefficiencymarkets.com.